Good morning, Potter's House. I was looking around earlier this morning and still see uh, quite a few new faces, and you guys are probably wondering why you see quite a few new faces up here every Sunday morning. And I figured I might as well just break it to you. Brian and Jay are normal speakers, but they're just kind of lazy. So they're out golfing or something this morning. I don't even know. But you guys laugh because you know it's not true. Those are uh, the hardest working guys I know in the ministry. They, I think Brian, he's got, he's covering the whole eastern seaboard apparently. He texted me this long list of where he is. So be praying for him. I know he's heading all the way out to Liberty University and uh, he uh, is the regional director for FCA, so he covers multiple states, and uh, he stays very, very busy and still finds time to uh, bring the word to us on Sunday mornings. And Jay is in Potter's House of Arabia. Some of you might have heard that uh, here and there. Uh, we've got a startup um, in Arabia that I think is really, really cool. Um, it's definitely something new for us. We've got Toronto, um, you know, just a lot of work happening right now, so that keeps Jay busy as well, so we try to fill in the gaps. He has to, they have to reach deep into the B team to uh, get speakers on Sunday with remaining of us elders, so uh, I'm going to do my best to get demoted to the C team today. So let's get started. Um, last week, we, uh, we continued our way through 2 Timothy. Jay, Jay brought an incredible word, uh, probably... I would say it put it in the top five of the ones that I have heard him speak, and I've heard him speak a lot of messages. Um, but he c- covered the passage in 2 Timothy, and the main theme was guard what was entrusted to you. And he read from 2 Timothy 1, 13 through 14, which is where we are chronologically in the book of Timothy. And it says, hold the standard of sound words that you heard from me, and do so with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Protect the good thing entrusted to you through the Holy Spirit who lives within us. We want, Jay brought us through a, a story of Hezekiah in 2 Kings uh, chapters 21 and 22. Um, and we learned that Hezekiah, he was a good king, but his sons were horrible. Uh, the next son that he had uh, that came to the throne was Manasseh, and after him was Ammon. And Israel went through a period of 57 years where they didn't have a good king, where um, the whole nation of Israel was led by just evil, wicked rulers. So then he brought us to uh, basically 57 years later, Josiah takes over as an eight-year-old king, the youngest king to ever serve in the nation of Israel. And he was actually a really good king. He served in um, in the same way that uh, his ancestor David served, and he served trying to serve the Lord the best he could. And under Josiah, the temple uh, during uh, Manasseh's reign and Ammon's reign had just got completely destroyed. And Josiah had the intention to rebuild that temple. And under the rebuilding of it, they found the book of the law. And King Josiah had someone read him the book of the law, and he realized that their faith had been completely torn apart. And they were absolutely not living the way the book of the law commanded Israel to live. So Israel had failed to guard what was entrusted to them. And eventually, after Josiah, God gave a reprieve as Josiah worked to get the nation of Israel back under uh, the book of the law and under God's command. 
But after Josiah, the people were led away and taken captive, and the nation of Israel was destroyed after Josiah because they failed to guard what was entrusted to them. Jay mentioned um, that last week here at Potter's House, we choose to read and understand the Bible. He mentioned in Nehemiah 8.8 where it says, They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Here at Potter's House, that's the way we choose to interpret God's word. We don't edit, we don't revise any of God's word on a Sunday morning. And that goes through all of our teachers. Last Sunday, we had a big group of all of our Sunday school teachers, and it it was a great time where we were just able to dive into what Potter's House stands for. And the statement of faith was listed out, and we read through each of the statement of faith, and we tried to understand that collectively we agree to this statement of faith. And that is the pure word of God. We learned last week that there's two ways to interpret God's word. We learned these big words, exegesis, come to the text with the assumption that the meaning of the text is right there in the text. And that the teacher is going to pass that along. And this is how Potter's House chooses to teach God's word. And then we learned eisegesis, come to the text with the meaning of the text is in themselves. They try to draw the meaning out of themselves. And there are people out there who say, uh, who say they are deconstructing the word so they can understand it better themselves. But the truth is not in the word of God. The, word, the truth is in me. And that would be an eisegesis form of teaching. I love what Jay said. He said if you, if you, um, if you choose to uh, take apart the word of God and deconstruct it, it's almost like you're choosing to take apart your house. And there will be one day where that house won't exist if you keep taking it apart and taking it apart. And I would add as well that if you think your faith or any part of the scripture needs deconstruction, then I would say you probably don't understand that text in its fullness. The scripture is God's inspired word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 states, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. It doesn't say that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and can be taken apart by man and to see the different forms of what it is. No, it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. The Bible is whole in and of itself. So Paul states in verse 13 of 2 Timothy, Jay told us, what you heard from me keep. Paul was in that construction business of building up the faith. He wasn't in the deconstruction business. And he had a pattern of teaching in his life that Jay shared his story of how he represents the pattern of teaching in his life. And that pattern is our God is a holy and just God who hates sin and punishes sinful people. I am a sinful person, which means I am supposed to be punished for my sin, but Jesus died in my place. That net message has been clear since the day that it was brought to us by Jesus himself. That message does not need to be made more modern or patterned and changed in any way. And if you see somebody doing this, one thing that we could tell them is just stop it. And Jay Jay said, just say no. But in 2 Timothy 1, 12 and 14, it states, guard what is entrusted to you. Jesus trusted Paul with the gospel and then Paul trusted Timothy with the message of the gospel. And that, that continues on to how we at Potter's House 
replicate the teaching of the pure message that Jesus died and rose again the third day to pay for your sin and will give you a path to be made righteous because in and of ourselves, we are not righteous. We are sinful people. The power of God saves people, and that's an incredible message. And this message, again, does not need to be altered or changed or for anything or anyone that comes in our path. If you have not listened to that message from last week, I challenge you. Um, Paul was just showing me before service here uh, the YouTube link, and seems like it's really growing. So we have it on YouTube. We have it on this little uh, podcast app called Podbean. You can download on your phone. And it's so beneficial. You know, sometimes we don't catch everything here on a Sunday morning. So I always am either going back to YouTube or going back to that Podbean to try to catch everything that was said. So... Last week was the theme of guard, and this week, I want to take you through the thought process of work. And I know, boring, work's tomorrow, nobody wants work, it's gross, but today's theme is work it out. That's the title of the message, and we're going to find ourselves away from the book of Timothy for just one week here, and we're going to go to another book that Paul had written, and that is Philippians. He wrote this to the church of Philippi, and he's encouraging them to work out their salvation. So if you would, stand with me, and we're going to read Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Thank you. So what comes to mind when we think of work? Is it positive? Is it negative thoughts? Work has this unique way to both attract and repel us depending on the type of work we are doing. And there, there are times when work is a great thing. It enables us to accomplish things that that we would never accomplish, and it accomplishes uh, things that as a team, if we work as a team, we could never accomplish on our own. When we achieve something through diligent work, we we not only feel good about ourselves, but we are proud of what we have achieved. We're proud of that effort put forth. And at times, these work items that we do, they can be a very worthy endeavor. But other times, we feel sometimes that some work is a necessary evil, and it's work that we really don't want to do. Uh... Work is interesting. We, we, we can't do without it. We have to have work in our lives. Um, and everyone that I've met wants to succeed, and some want to succeed so bad they're even willing to work at it. But work can also be quite frustrating, and uh, some change jobs, and it gets frustrating. And I heard this week of a, of a counselor who quit his counseling job after 20 years and became a funeral director. And when he was asked why he changed jobs, he said, man, I spent three years trying to change John's life, and he's, he's still addicted to the bottle. And then I spent six months trying to cha- change Susan and Bill's marriage, and, and we just we couldn't get there, and they filed for divorce. And then I spent two years trying to sit, straighten out Bob's drug problem, but he's still an addict. Now at the funeral home, when I straighten them out, they stay straight. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of joke that gets you demoted to, like, third string So I had to ask my wife if I could tell it. She gave me permission to blame her. But work is necessary for our existence. But the question I want to ask today to ourselves is, does work play a role in our spiritual lives? So let's read again what Paul wrote to the Philippians. Therefore, my dear friends, 
as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. It, is, uh, it appears that Paul is telling us to work out our salvation. But what does that mean? Can, can you earn your salvation? Is, is it saying work for your salvation? Of course not. The answer to that is a resounding no. But let's dive a little deeper into it. The first thing that I want us to realize is that know that God is already at work in your life. We're going to start backwards in that verse 13, and it says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. God is already at work in our lives, and we have to come to that realization. If we have accepted Christ, he is in us, and he is working through us. And this is not a message to, Paul's not speaking here in Philippians to unbelievers. He's writing to Christians just like us who are already saved. And we're not being asked to work for our salvation. We are being asked to work out our salvation. We were being asked to work out what God has already worked in us. And I want to be clear so that we will all understand we are definitely not saved by works. That is one of the um, statements of faith that we at Potter's House uh, believe that the scripture is very clear on. When Paul is talking to the Ephesians in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's very, very clear that works is not what leads us to salvation. Salvation is accomplished by God's initiative alone. We can't save ourselves. All the works that we could do in the world, if they were added together, they wouldn't even be close to being enough, not even a fraction. Our problem in humanity is sin, and because of that sin, we can never achieve the perfect righteousness that God demands. Perfect righteousness is necessary for salvation. So God came up with a plan. He stepped in and sent Jesus to accomplish this for us. He was the only one that could accomplish that task. Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sin, and our sin can be forgiven through his work, not our own work. And because of Jesus, you and I can now stand in perfect righteousness before him. I kind of see this like going to the doctor fat and unhealthy. And uh, the doctor sits there and says, wow, you look good. You're skinny and healthy. And that's exactly how Christ presents us before the Father. The Father never sees our faults. The Father never sees what's wrong with us because all he sees is Jesus in our place. So God began the work. He took the initiative. He reached out to us in the first place, loved us before we even acknowledged his existence, and God loved us while we were in rebellion against him. Even before we accepted him, God still loved us. And the salvation of the human soul is a work that only God can perform. So understanding that God is already at work in our life is so important because it delivers us from this idea that it depends on us. So many things in life, we, we get this idea that, oh, that's, that only exists because of me or, or, or I can only, that can only happen because it's because of me. When, when we realize that God is already at work in us, not because of anything we've done, it delivers us from this proud mindset of my salvation depends on me. It doesn't depend on us at all. God does not want us to work, out, work to earn our salvation because we can't, and that makes the difference in our mindset. 
So now that we understand that God is already at work in your life, now we can move on to the next step and we can receive God's passion and power for your life. In that same verse, verse 13, it says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. There are two things I want us to realize here that what God is doing in your life. He is at work to create the desire to follow him, and he's at work to give you the power to do that. So God is already at work in your life to create this desire in you that will motivate you to follow Jesus. And I'm going to be the first to admit that there are times I wake up, there are times I have a bad day, I feel we all do. And there are times when we just don't feel that desire to follow Jesus. And there are times I want to go my own way. We all have that little attitude, I'm going to do it myself. And one of my favorite uh, memes that floats around there is Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation, where it's going to be hard to read that, sorry. He has, uh, he's doing this, um, uh, he's doing this park deal and the park ranger comes up to him and he says, not to worry, he's getting in trouble because he's there and he says, not to worry, I have a permit. And he goes, Ron, all this says is I can do what I want. And oftentimes that's how we treat God. We say, well, I can do what I want. And the truth is that God gave us free choice. We are not robots just merely doing what Simon says. God gave us the opportunity for free choice. And that's the beauty when we choose to serve him because we're choosing him above anything else. And that's the love that God desires. Colossians 3.23 states, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So whatever you do, do it with your whole heart is what Paul's writing to the church of Colossians. So we might as well be honest with God. He knows the real condition of our hearts. He knows our innermost desires. And we shouldn't make an excuse and say, God, I, I really wanted to obey you today. Because there's times when we don't really want to. We don't desire that. What we should say instead is, God, I disobeyed you. I did what I wanted to do. Would you please create within me a desire to do your will through your power? And this is what God wants to do. He wants that humble spirit. He wants us coming to him in the recognition that we in ourselves can have this sin nature that is only overpowered by the power of Christ. And we cannot think that this is going to happen overnight. Little by little, you are molded into a spiritual person who reflects the life of Christ. And this process is a lifetime of working on it constantly. I don't want to be discouraged and saying, you know, it takes a lifetime, but it does. Because that's how great God is. It takes so much work for us to replicate who he is. For us to change, to be more like Jesus. So God is, at, is also at work in you to give you the power to act according to his purpose. Simply having the desire is not enough. We can want all the time. But unless we have the power, we can get really frustrated because that power has to work in us for that desire. So God is at work to give you that power. Jesus promised the disciples that when he left this earth after he was crucified and he spent 40 days on this earth, that they would receive power. So they were to go to Jerusalem and they were going to wait and they would receive the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit has been filling Christians every day, every day since then. When the Holy Spirit fills us, we have the power of God residing with us. In fact, the Christian life really cannot exist, exist without the power of the Holy Spirit. Unless we learn to allow the Holy Spirit to control our lives, we will never be effective in the following of Jesus and molding ourselves into him. We are like a light that is unplugged. 2 Corinthians 3.18 states, And all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is working in us to change him to himself each and every day. And we must not only understand that God is at work, we must also understand that we are receiving the power and that we must surrender to his life each and every day. And this will lead us to work. Work out your salvation. So verse 12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You and I are called to work out what God has already worked in us. Salvation, I believe, is a three-part process. And it's, some, it's a way that I look at salvation. Sometimes we don't realize that because of the way we use the word. When we ask someone whether they are saved, really we're asking, have you made that commitment to Christ? Salvation, on the other hand, refers to the fullness of God's work. And that's the three-part process that I'm referring to. The first part is it begins with us inviting Jesus into our lives. We often call it being born again. So if we're saved, that has happened in our past. And in the present, it continues with the process of spiritual maturity where we are continually being changed to look like Jesus. That's the present. And this is the workout phase that we are in. This is the workout your salvation is where we exist right now in our Christian walk. And then the end The future is it finishes when we are taken into God's presence forever in the future. That's the hope that we have in our salvation. So, Kate, if you are a Christian, you are now in this second stage of salvation, and this is that workout stage. The same way you work out a muscle, um, the same way that you go in and you work your daily job, salvation takes work. Katie and I have been married nearly 16 years. There hasn't been a day since that I wasn't married. The ceremony, which lasted about an hour, it was just that first step. Ever since, we have been working on our marriage, and it is work. Everybody that has been married knows that it takes work to stay married. Just because the preacher pronounced us husband and wife, that everything about our marriage was accomplished, it wasn't. Yes, we were married, but now the real work begins. And salvation is so similar. The day that you accepted Jesus into your life, you became a child of God. Now God expects you to become like Jesus. He expects you to work through that process. So how do you work out your salvation? The answer is very simple. Let it impact every area of our life completely. We must understand that the extent to which salvation goes is, it, is through our whole life. It can't be just in how we act or how we speak. It is through every avenue of our life. 
There is no area of your life that can be left untouched by the relationship with the Lord. God desires that every area of your life becomes transformed. One of my favorite verses, Luke 10, 27, states, and he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The longer we follow the Lord, the more we look like Jesus. It's interesting, uh, many times this happens in our friendships. Um, I've noticed in my, my own life that the more I hang around certain people, the more I develop their their characteristics or maybe some of their sayings or maybe even some of the way they, they act in public. You know, those are things that when you hang out with them long enough, it just naturally comes off in you. And I've noticed that with my sons too, especially when I smash my finger and say a bad word. They, that happens. And I see that in my sons too. The longer they hang out with me, the more they will try to imitate some of the things that I do, good or bad. So the longer we follow the Lord, the more we should look like Jesus. But this won't happen unless we plan for that to happen. We need to take intentional steps every day to grow spiritually. If you wanted to learn to play a sport or, or learn to play an instrument or venture into a new career, what would you do? You would start that work. You would practice. Um, let's say you wanted to take up possibly fishing. You wouldn't start by just telling somebody you're a fisherman and then just going about your daily life. You would probably learn to fish. You learn, you'd study everything you could about it. You would try to hang out with some other guys that fished all the time. Maybe you would uh, even purchase some fishing equipment. Maybe even get you a boat to actually get to the fish. You could join by a fishing club, but ultimately you'd have to go fishing and try to catch some fish. And you must do it more than once. In fact, it becomes a part of your lifestyle because I've been there. I loved tournament fishing for many years and it was fun. Um, it became way too much of a part of my lifestyle, so I had to kind of stop it, uh, especially with kids. But to be, what is tr- crazy about becoming a true fisherman is that you love to show off that skill. You love to take others along, and you love to show them the ropes. And the same thing is so very true about being a Christian. What are we doing? What, are, what am I doing? What are you doing to work out your salvation? Are we spending time trying to learn more about God? Are we spending time in the book? Do we try to understand what it says? Remember that at Potter's House, we believe exegenically, which is we believe that the text, the meaning of the text is right there in the text. The truth is not necessarily in us. The truth is in the text itself. And that's such an empowering statement because it's all right here. And we have the Holy Spirit to guide us through that each and every day. Are we taking advantage of that? There are so many ways to do this in our modern era. We have, you know, the Bible on our phones each and every day. We have the Bible on our computers. We have the Bible in print copy. We have the Bible um, in people that explain verses of the Bible. We have concordances. We are the most knowledgeable. We're filled with as much understanding in any other civilization that ever existed. We can go to any YouTube channel and we can understand um, how this particular preacher, you know, interprets this scripture. We, it is absolutely all over our cu- culture. But it's sad because I still think that Christians spend more time in front of the TV than they do in front of the book. And that's something that we have to ask ourselves. Are we taking advantage of all the opportunities provided that we can learn and understand 
Scripture better. But there is nothing better to help us understand Scripture than the Holy Spirit that resides within us and we're saved. And I think that uh, it's something that the elders and I have talked about a, a lot in um, that we just at times don't let the Holy Spirit guide us through Scripture the way that ho- the Holy Spirit should. We don't allow that to happen. I once heard it said that you can starve in a grocery store. So does our spiritual life look like it's starving or thriving? Are we taking the time to talk to God in prayer? He is at there every day waiting to see if you are going to spend some time with him. He never leaves. He never changes. We know from what Jay said last week, guard what has entrusted to you. That has spanned the time of generations because people have guarded what they have been entrusted with, and it is still the pure message of the gospel. I love uh, um, what Paul, how Paul sums it up. It's in the message version, and I'm going to read that for you, but I love how he sums up this uh, second Philippians 2, 12 through 13. He says, what I'm getting at, friends, is that you should simply keep on doing what you've done from the beginning. When he's talking to the Philippians here, they're doing a pretty decent job. He's wanting them to continue that. So when I was living among you, you lived in a responsive obedience. And that is so cool. I think that is where we struggle with many times is that we are not immediately responsive to the Holy Spirit whether because we're not listening or whether because, you know, I want to do it myself. I can do it on my own. Now that I'm separated from you, keep it up. Better yet, redouble your efforts. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy, an energy deep within you. God himself willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure. So here's what I want us to do, and this is the challenge, and uh, again, I think I mentioned it earlier, if not, I wanted to keep this message simple, because I, I, wanted, I want us to challenge ourselves this week. Let's look at our everyday, ordinary life, our sleeping, eating, our going to work, everything that we do, our walking around life, and let's place it to God as an offering. Just give it up and say, God, you gave it to me, and I'm giving it back to you. The moment that we let go is the moment that we can truly grow. Sometimes it's what we, we hold on to that prevents us from moving on to that next stage of growth in Christ. And this is what we need. We need to surrender and experience a transformation. Our way of thinking needs to be changed. We need a, to be reprogrammed with the mind of Christ, and this takes work, just like our marriages and just like any other relationship, but I promise you that this relationship with Christ is the most important relationship you will ever have. Last week, Jay talked about guarding what you have been entrusted with. And this week, we've talked about working it out. It's going to the gym of Bible study. It's working each and every day to pray to God and ask for that desire and that power to come before his word and to come before him in prayer each and every day. God wants us to offer him not occasional acts of devotion, but the everyday lives we live. He wants both our hearts and minds He wants the effect of our salvation to be worked out into every attitude, every action, habit, and relationship that we have. And the good news is, is that we don't have to do this on our own. He's already placed in us the power and the desire through his Holy Spirit to go after this, to enable us to work out that salvation. So if we let go, 
we will grow. And this is what will bring joy to the heart of God and will bring true joy and peace into your life. Work out your salvation, Philippians 2.12. Be like the fishermen and practice your salvation every day. One of the things that uh, I often um, see in our Christian walk is that we lack this sort of discipline. I see it in myself where um, if something comes up or a kid gets sick that night or something, we, we give up that early morning study or, or possibly give up that quiet time that we choose to have with Christ. And I, I would venture to say that if you didn't talk to your wife for a week, well, number one, she'd probably kick you to the doghouse, but if you didn't talk to your wife for a week, does that relationship suffer? Yeah, it starves. Communication is necessary for us to be at one with Christ, for us to, to still get the desires of his heart into our hearts. So let's go ahead and pray. Lord, I thank you for the day you've given us, God. I just thank you for your word, God. I thank you uh, for the ability to guard what's been entrusted to you, God. But I, I thank you for the spirit that lives within us. And God, I pray that Throughout this week, we would uh, just off, offer up that uh, living sacrifice of ourselves, our time, our money, our, our attitude, God, and just the way that we do, do life ourselves, God. I pray that you would just allow us to have your strength and power, God. I pray that that desire would grow stronger in us each and every day, God, and I pray that we would just have that spiritual discipline we need to seek you each and every day in everything that we do. Bless us as we go from here. Uh, thank you for Potter's House. Keep Jay and Brian safe as they travel, God, and uh, bring us again back here next week. You know, I pray. Amen.